Today on Indie Thinker, we'll look at the strange disappearance of Dr. Anthony Fauci, why the left isn't too concerned looking for him. If so, they'd be calling Agatha Christie already. Nope, they've got other things to worry about because gas prices and other bad policies are continuing to haunt them. But don't worry, they're going to Venezuela to look for help. That can't possibly go bad. And then finally, we'll look at the anti-grooming bill that just passed the Florida Senate. We'll talk about that and much more on today's show. You're about to make the jump from the echo chamber into free and independent thought on the subjects of culture, causes, politics, and faith. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching the show today. Hopefully the things that we cover on this show do a couple things for you. Not only keep you informed, but then also help you understand uh, our need, and this is kind of what we'll talk about in the show today, our need to go beyond man-made institutions and to put our hope in things that are that are much bigger than that. So hopefully through this, the stories that we'll talk about today, we'll continue to kind of outline that reality that we seem to be dealing with more and more and more. Uh, but as I said today at the front of the show, we're gonna be talking about Dr. Fauci and his strange disappearance. So I was thinking about some adjectives for him this morning in the car driving my kids to school. And so I was thinking about the indomitable Dr. Fauci, the uh, in, inimitable, Dr. Fauci. Um, I was saying these things out loud and one of my kids said the indominus Dr. Fauci, because of course that's from Jurassic Park. Um, but I was thinking about indominus and indominus means, dominus means master and in means no. So like no master. So of course you can't call Fauci indominus because there definitely seems to be a master to that guy, somebody pulling the strings. But nonetheless, uh, we'll, we'll talk about who might be behind the strange disappearance of Dr. Fauci here in a moment. But before we do that, we need to make sure we recognize our sponsor. Element Funding is a longtime sponsor of the show, and I'm glad they are because it's a really, really important time for you to solidify your financial future in the midst of four-decade high inflation, in the midst of raising interest rates and all of the like. It's so, so important that you right now go get pre-qualified absolutely for free for a brand new home. If you're looking for a home, if you're looking to build a home, if you're looking to refinance your home, this is a great, great time to do it before interest rates go even higher. And the Fed has already promised that is going to happen by summer's time. So make sure to jump on the Element Funding train and go to kevinblairteam.com right now so that you can see if you pre-qualify for a home or at least just check out what their interest rate is. They love to tell you what their interest rate is. So go check them out today and let them know that IndieThinker sent you. So PolitiFact wants you to disbelieve your lying eyes because they say it's patently false that Fauci has been totally missing from the scene. But of course, all you have to do is look around just a little bit and you'll wonder, where did all of the talk about COVID and variants go? Strange how we said goodbye without even knowing COVID or Fauci were gone. It's almost like the media just trotted out Fauci while he was useful, calling him an actual doctor, and then when he was no longer useful, pushed him away. Since he's a bureaucrat, that's easy to believe, and to be fair, it's also easy to understand in the midst of potential conflict with Russia that the news has only begun to focus on other things, but really, is there more to it than that? Are they focusing on other things for other reasons? Is, is Fauci, Fauci, <laughs> Fauci being swept under the rug because of the failing policies of the Democrats. So to believe that there's nothing more to it than that would be to suspend all sense of reality and to create a world in which the media is not in bed with the left and actually cares about honesty. So since we know that world does not exist, 
We know that there's a much more plausible explanation for why Fauci is strangely missing from the scene. It's not just about Russia. Russia and the Ukrainian conflict just serves as a great opportunity to pull out of the tailspin of bad COVID policy that is not only not working, but is also incredibly unpopular. According to Pew Research, just 21% of the public is satisfied. 21%, guys, with the way things are going in the United States. Now, that's just not, that's not just COVID. That's, that's everything that Biden's doing. So the public's view of the negative economy remain quite negative. Just 28% of people say the, the economic conditions uh, presently are good. And Biden's overall approval rating has been sitting around 39%. And of course, a lot of that has to do with failed COVID policy. And certainly COVID policy that restricted and harmed businesses. When we could have opened back up, we weren't. So, but thankfully, Russia invaded right around the halfway point of Biden's presidency. Now, if I was a conspiracy theorist, I would go on. But there's no need to postulate. Right in front of us, we see the pivot has begun. No more talking about defund the police. No more talk about mask mandates and vaccine mandates. All we have to do is to declare victory that doesn't exist for Biden and slowly remove Fauci from the scene so that we can pretend that the oppressive nature of the left and their intolerant policies didn't show themselves all throughout COVID. So now we can go home with the highest gas prices of our lifetime and rest easy that COVID was defeated by an 80-year-old geriatric patient. So if you believe that, I've got some great real estate to sell you. And in fact, I've got a pyramid scheme, not a pyramid scheme, it's not a pyramid scheme. I've got a great multi-level marketing thing that you can be a part of, just call me. So I guess that means we're done with Fauci for now. Our hearts are broken at this news, and so here at IndieThinker, we put together a small video, a montage, if you will, to say goodbye to our beloved Dr. Fauci. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective, and we but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. All jokes aside, there's some real positive takeaways from Fauci's convenient disappearance. The first and most important lesson is this. There's a political party in America that merely uses people as tools and sees people as nothing more than a means to an end. So this political party, the progressive leftist, use Fauci as a tool and they use him as a tool against you because that's all people are in their eyes, which just simply means this, the left doesn't really care about you. All their talk about caring for minorities and caring for the poor is just simply a lie. Wait, 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 just a second, guys. I'm getting something in my ear here. Um, we're getting this just in. Not only is Fauci missing, but Black Lives Matter. BLM is missing right now. This is a breaking report. Guys, could, could things get anything worse today? First Fauci, now BLM. I mean, seriously. You know, come to mention it, it is a little strange that we haven't heard from BLM in a long time. It's almost as if the media was propping up BLM during an election year to try to influence our elections. That couldn't be, they're so honest. They used BLM because to them, people are tools. People are a means to an end. And this is a playbook from the left. The left talks about welfare of people and then shoves them into demoralizing and dehumanizing welfare. They say that they care about socialized medicine because 
of the least of these, but all they really care about is big pharma dollars, or at least they really only care about controlling yet another segment of society because their lust for power and endless love of themselves has convinced them. Now I'm being generous here. That they actually think because they love themselves so much that they are the solution rather than the problem. When really what we desperately need is the truth. By the way, same things ha happen in progressive Christian churches. They believe themselves to be accepting and tolerant of every view and everyone in their lifestyle, but not like those evangelicals. They make it their personal goal to defend people from those god-awful evangelical Christians who shove their views down people's throats. But just let a person who has chosen to remain celibate because of same-sex attraction come to them and tell them that, and you'll see these closeted judgmentalists emerge just in time to declare that those people who are repressing those desires are oppressed and a prime example of someone who needs to be saved from the dangers of evangelicalism. Call the ex-evangelicals. The point is that the left acts like they care in order to manipulate you. But they have an agenda just like everyone else has an agenda. I have an agenda, you have an agenda. The question is this, is the agenda based upon logical evidence and facts? And the claim that we care more about you than them and we're the sympathetic ones seems only to obscure reality. Now, I'll be kind and say maybe they're just so blinded by ideology that they can't know any longer see that they've been blinded. In any case, we, what kind of fool do we have to believe, be to believe that a person other than your family or your church or your friends are the ones who actually care about you? No stranger cares about me. We are so desperate to matter because we've left the only thing that can truly bring us significance that we've resorted to thinking that Biden and his cronies cares about us, or that those on the progressive left care about us. Biden can't even mem remember his own name half of the time. He probably right now thinks it's bibbidi bobbidi boo. So why would you be convinced he cares about you? Go get a dog, join a church for crying out loud, but please stop thinking that the compassion talk is actually compassionate. The people we pay with our tax dollars to lie to us don't really care. We don't need them to love us. We don't need anything but facts from them so that they can then step away and then we can go make our own decisions based upon those facts with the people that we love and truly care about us. But this is what we'll see in our headlines today. And this is why I jump into headlines every single week is that we will see this progressive lie of compassion and care overturned by all of the actions that we see going on in our present administration and very often by the left. So, let's jump into those headlines now. So just the other day, Biden announced that there's been a ban on Russian gas. Now, before we jump into the clip I wanna show you guys, I just wanna, I wanna be fair here and say, in the aftermath of this Ukrainian invasion, Biden has been a lot more proactive. It would have been nice, as I've stated many, many times before, it would have been nice if Biden had jumped into action way, way, way before the invasion. But in the aftermath of the invasion, he has, has actually started to roll out sanctions that will hurt uh, that will hurt Putin. And unfortunately, there's also sanctions being rolled out that hurt the Russian people as though they are the ones responsible for what Putin is doing. Um, I don't want to get into that, but suffice to say, canceling Netflix subscriptions for civilians and canceling um, visa accounts and, and making Russian citizens unable to get their money. I mean, we have some credible reports too that 
the Russian citizenry is actually very, very against what, what Putin is doing. So I don't think it's right to do that. And perhaps, I, I really don't think it's right because the, the other side of that pendulum always needs to be understood, which is just this. We already saw that when the left doesn't like what you're standing up for, they will go to no ends to absolutely rob you of your civil liberties. This is what happened in Canada with leftist prime minister Trudeau when he was telling banks to go ahead and, and freeze the accounts of people who had given like $50 to the Freedom Convoy and, and the like. And so there's, there's obviously some real great dangers here with some of the sanctions that have been rolled out against the citizenry of, of Russia. But, but on the backside of this, I have to say, um, I didn't think that Biden was really going to go to the length of, of really canceling Russian gas. But, uh, but here we are, and he's done it. And of course, you guys probably, even if you didn't know it before now, you saw it in the gas prices. And those are going to continue to go up, by the way. Um, but, uh, but here is the real problem with the ban on on Russian gas in the midst of everything that's going on in our country with the progressive left. But we'll let you first hear it from Saki herself. Those years where it would you know, take to bring down prices, as you're saying, we should just continue to buy Russian oil. Well, again, Jackie, I think you're familiar with a number of steps we've taken, a historic release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Well, we can, well, let me finish. What we can do over time, and what this is all a reminder of in the president's view, is our need to reduce our reliance on oil. Okay, so the great news here is that this is a reminder to us that we are uh, need to move to green energy. Well, here's the problem. First of all, we are not dependent upon green energy. We're dependent upon oil and gas. We, it might be a nice lofty decision to kind of move toward green energies, but the bird killing windmills and the solar energy that, by the way, doesn't work at night, um, all of those things are still in progress here in the United States. So to pretend that we're some green uh, policy, you know, uh, utopia right now at this point in time is complete denial. Yes, it's a reminder that dependency upon oil and gas is important. The fact that we're talking about green energy right now in the midst of needing energy now just seems to be totally ignorant. But it doesn't stop with with Saki here because, or Pasaki, however you say her name, it, because also our great and awesome transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, um, he, is it Buttigieg? I think it's Buttigieg. Anyway, he has come out and told us that it's okay because this is just another reminder to us of why we should go be getting electric cars. Clean transportation can bring significant cost savings for the American people as well. Last month, we announced a $5 billion investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. So let me get this straight. Not only are we in denial over the fact that we need just green energy when we need energy now, not later, uh, but also we're in a healthy amount of denial as to what people can afford. So people are complaining about gas prices now. So the answer to that, to our elitist class, is to go buy a car that will cost you estimated about $60,000, so probably $30,000 more or so than a baseline SUV and probably 35 to 40,000 more than a baseline sedan, somewhere around that ballpark. So the answer 
to really difficult gas prices rising up is to go take out a second mortgage on your home and to go buy a car that you can't afford. So that's, that's their answer here. Now we know what the real answer is. So for Biden, the real answer has been, let's pat ourselves on the back for being green and let's just put badges, you know, badges of honor on, on our clothes that we were able to listen to a 16 year old Swedish girl chastise us and actually take that seriously. And let's call ourselves green energy, but then let's go exploit the, exploit the second world and the third world. Let's go exploit them and get gas from them. Because just recently we've seen that now Biden is going to places like Venezuela to ask for gas and oil. The left, who always talks about the neo-colonial imperializing West, especially America, uh, these are the ones who are, who are now taking us to exploit a third world country to get gas from gas and oil from them. So you guys do the drilling so that we don't have to do it back here so that we can pat ourselves on the back, make ourselves feel better about being green. Like this is the policy procedure. I mean, this goes back to the theme of the show today that the left sees people as tools. They see policies and procedures and institutions in the same way that they see people because they have a collectivist mentality. They see people like they see institutions rather than see them as individuals. And this is why they can go exploit these people who are dealing with really, really difficult times in their country right now and go tell them to drill on their land while we say, well, look at how green we are here in the West. If anything, this is just a further reminder that green energy has moved us more in, into dependence upon gas and oil, but now it's moved us into dependence upon foreign gas and oil, making our illogical and irrational just lust for green energy completely a national security threat. So now we're dependent upon totalitarian dictatorships, not, you know, it was bad enough with Russia, so we moved on from one dictator to another dictator so that we can get oil and gas from now Venezuela. Certainly there are other options. We could be drilling here. Now I'm going to be the first to admit that I understand that some of those options won't help in the short term because we've already shot ourselves in the foot so much with this stuff that, that there's, there's little options that we have now, but all of that we have to logically concur comes back to the policies and the procedures of the progressive left that have been so mindful of the appearance of goodness that they've neglected common sense. So there are other options, but we're seeing right now that, that those other options are only to go in the short term to places like Venezuela. And now our next headline, Russia is angry. So right now, yeah, we're jeopardizing our relationship with Russia with all the sanctions that we're rolling out with them because we're dependent upon them to try to broker a deal with Iran. And at the same time, we're also trying to work with another foreign dictatorship in Venezuela to try to get gas from these guys, all because we've shot ourselves in the foot. Now to understand completely, guys, how important it is that we not be dependent upon foreign gas and oil, in case we didn't already know, Let's take just a little journey down to Venezuela because ultimately, why do we really care if we're making Russia mad? The real question is, is why are we exploiting Venezuela? So let's look at Venezuela and let's, let's go, kind of just go back in time and see what's going on there 
and why it might not be a really good moral choice to go be dependent upon foreign gas and oil. So according to the Human Rights Watch, Venezuela is facing a severe humanitarian emergency with millions unable to access basic healthcare and adequate nutrition. Limited access to safe water in homes and healthcare centers has contributed to the spread of COVID-19. In September, a fact-finding mission appointed by the United Nations Human Rights Council found high-level authorities responsible for atrocities that they believed amounted to crimes against humanity. The government of Nicolas Maduro and its security forces are responsible for extrajudicial executions and short-term forced disappearances and have jailed opponents, prosecuted civilians in, in military courts, tortured detainees, and cracked down on protesters. They used a state of emergency implemented in response to COVID-19 as an excuse to punish dissent and intensify their control over the population. Boy, maybe that's why they're using Venezuela. They sound very similar to each other. Punishing people and using COVID-19 as an excuse. Among the issues facing Venezuelans is per, uh, persecution of political opponents of the socialist dictator they call president. Between 2016 and 2019, some 19,000 people were killed allegedly for resisting authority. And then there's reporting from the BBC specifically and many others who detail the current state of Venezuela saying, the South American country has been caught in a downward spiral for years with growing political discontent further fueled by skyrocketing inflation, power cuts, and shortages of food and medicine. Also sounds familiar, by the way, guys. Goes on to say that more than 5.6 million Venezuelans have left the country in recent years. So what exactly is behind the crisis rocking Venezuela? So here's just a couple of small facts that I think you should know about as we look at our government de doing deals with foreign despots and totalitarian dictators. So Venezuela is in economic record free fall, as we have said, since Maduro's regime. And uh, many blame him for that. And that's why he was voted out of office in 2018. But in this contested election in 2018, the country was split between Maduro and his military and the rest of the country. And because he had the military uh, and their power, uh, he maintained his office. All right, so not the least of the problems with all of that said that's going on right now in the government is that the, the Venezuelan government withdrew from the American Convention of Human Rights in 2013, making way for deplorable conditions during COVID-19. And as a result, millions have fled the country illegally and millions more have suffered from the effects of those policies in a time of pandemic. So the only two questions that I have according to what's going on and in correspondence to what's going on is this, is why do we care if Russia's angry? And why are we willing to continue to work with tyrants? If we haven't learned our lesson yet, I don't know what will teach us, but perhaps the lessons of the past are inconvenient and that's really why we don't care about them. On the show that I did last week, or, or sorry, last, um, last Tuesday, this past Tuesday, I, I talked about the progressive left and how they're more interested in progress than they are in the actual truth. And they'll even walk backwards if it feels like progress to them. Now, I, I'm trying to not make this ad hominem. I'm just merely trying to suggest with the evidence that I just showed you 
that when we talk about the left caring, if they cared, they would not have put us in a place of dependence upon foreign oil. If they cared, they wouldn't care about what Russia says because they wouldn't need to be dependent upon Venezuela. Because at the end of the day, this is the point, is that if Russia is mad at us for what we're doing to them and Venezuela is merely just kind of a, a puppet state of Russia, then what makes us think that we can trust Venezuela? What makes us think we can trust them regardless, right? But what makes us think we can trust them in the midst of that? So we're making Russia mad, which will inevitably make Venezuela mad, and it puts us in a real predicament because we have been following policies that are more emotions-based than fact-based. And now we find that the end result of those things is destruction. And so an honest and thinking person has to come away with this understanding, the progressive left continues to use things as tools for policy procedures rather than actually caring about how these things will impact people. And that's what's happening in Venezuela. But we can see this repeated throughout history. The only question is, is are we going to pay attention? Of course, that famous quote continues to come back to me, especially in a time right now where we're seeing upheaval in Russia and the Ukraine. And it and just simply says this, that if we don't learn from our past, we're destined to repeat it. And that brings us to our kind of final headline, if you will, but final thought uh, along with these headlines is just recently I watched an old movie. It's called Five Days of War and you can find it on Tubi. Now it's a great movie. It's got Val Kilmer in it, which I'm a big fan of ever since Tombstone, ever since Top Gun. There are no two better characters than Iceman and Doc Holliday. And so uh, Val Kilmer's a great, very short part in the movie, but more importantly, this movie is kind of a, an almost docu-movie, if you will, about what took place in Georgia when Russia invaded. Now, it's so eerie and so ironic that I just had to tell you guys about it. It's, it's free to watch, so you need to, you need to check it out, but it is so eerie because of how similar it is to what is happening right now in the Ukraine. So a couple of takeaways from the movie, if I can give you a quick movie review. So the first one is this, is that it presents, and this was in 2008, it presents a time when journalism actually existed. So uh, these guys risk their lives, they see multiple atrocities. I don't know how true to life it actually is, but suffice to say, um, it is based upon a true story. Uh, but needless to say, it, it does give you hope, or at least it once would have given you hope that journalism actually existed and journalism was actually alive. Now, hopefully there still are journalists like there, like these guys out there still to this day. I sometimes wonder, to be totally honest with you. But it is kind of a flashback that just kind of helps you remember days gone by when journalism actually existed. And then the second thing it shows you is, is this pattern. It shows you this pattern in 2008 when Russia invaded Georgia. And then it shows you this pattern in 2014 when Russia invaded Crimea. And then it shows you this pattern now in 2022 when Russia is invading the Ukraine. See, Russia has a playbook and their playbook is conquering territories that are close to their country and then blaming other people for their conquering. Really what they're interested in is expanding their landmass and expanding their reach and expanding their power. Which brings us back to this question that I've been asking, especially for those of us on the isolationist right, um, which I would not consider myself a part of. I understand we don't want to needlessly spill the blood of our sons and our daughters in America um, over this, this foreign war. But however, 
I think it is also blissfully and blindly ignorant to suggest that the encroaching nature of Russia upon other foreign countries is not a threat to us, and that the only time that they will ever become a threat to us is when they come knocking on our door. And perhaps when they come knocking on our door in our country and try to invade, it will be too late. I do believe that in the policy of deterrence. And so it's the one thing I would remind my uh, brothers and sisters on the isolationist side, whether it be left or right, to, to keep in mind that no, we're not the world's police force, but we are those who have the power and the ability to do what is right uh, and to secure our own interests. Uh, and by the way, the interests of the rest of the world, whether we like it or not, it's not a self-centered statement. America plays a role on the global scale of things. I don't care if you like it or not. I don't care if you think America is an exceptional country. I don't care if you're an anarchist and you want to burn it to the ground. You're only lying to yourself if you don't realize that right now America plays a role in the global community. And so what we do impacts others. And so our non-activity clearly impacts others as well. But it also helps you, this is probably the third thing with the movie, it also helps you sort through some of the propaganda you're hearing right now. Um, first and foremost, you see in the movie that the media isn't willing to cover what's going on in Georgia in any meaningful way. In fact, this happened in 2008, and for those of you who were around back then and were able to kind of be aware, you know, of what was going on, if you will remember, it was a blip on the radar screen, but you didn't know that, you know, very similar things to what is happening in the Ukraine was happening back then. So at least there's a little bit more coverage going on now, but you can rest assured that the same kind of conspiracy to contrive and to conceal certain aspects of what's going on is definitely gonna be happening in the media. And you don't know what to trust because here's the other side of the thing, is that of course, Putin immediately came out and said that it was because Georgia was being some type of aggressor. And you see this in the movie, he immediately comes out with the propagandist line that this is just Russia protecting itself. It's not actually Russia with lust and greed for power. So very same thing that's going on with Ukraine right now. And then on the other side of that too, is we're also seeing some propaganda come out of the Ukraine to be fair. So you see the, the tank that ran over that black sedan that was kind of rushing down the road all by itself and that tank that crushed it. So supposedly and allegedly that was a Ukrainian tank that ran over a Ukrainian civilian, uh, civilian vehicle. And then you hear about the uh, guys that were in the warship, the Ukrainian soldiers in the warship that were being invaded by another Russian ship. And they said, F you Russia, and that they were exploded and uh, you know didn't care about it and they were martyrs for the cause. But actually what happened, those guys were captured and they're, as far as we know, still, still fine. Uh, so. And then we hear, oh, I, I don't want to forget to mention this. We hear about the ghost of Kiev, right? Or Kiev, uh, the ghost of Kiev. And we hear that that's probably most likely just totally not a thing, that all of the, that footage has either been uh, enhanced in some way or at least is just totally fake. Um, so needless to say, uh, it, it's hard to know the truth, especially in a media that is uh, dominated by one political class. So I, I would encourage you to watch this movie and just to come away with, you know, some some thoughts as to how it can relate to what we're presently seeing right now. I won't make those thoughts for you. I will just merely say, especially in keeping with the theme of the show today, that we need to be very mindful of a leftist controlled media that says that it cares about people and is interested in actually humanitarian crises, but, but maybe actually may have more of an agenda than than, than we realize. Um, hopefully that's a, a mild enough suggestion and there's probably much, much more that you can take away from it. All right, let's jump into our final segment, Christianity Not Today, and it's gonna be a good one. So the Florida Senate, hallelujah, just passed 
the don't sexually groom my children bill. Now, of course, this is being called the don't say gay bill by those on the left, right? This is, just look it up. Look at Florida Senate passes bill and almost every article, every headline is gonna call it the don't say gay bill. And you heard this most recently on SNL, who is just the bastion of all things Clapter these days. By the way, if you don't remember Clapter, that's where you try to elicit claps rather than laughs from people unless you have a laugh track. Uh, you try to get claps from people because they're, they're saying things that people agree with and they're just agreeing with people rather than actually saying funny things. So the like headquarters of Clapter these days for political propaganda, unfortunately, has become SNL. And I say this with full respect because I grew up on SNL. I love SNL. I learned to, you know, uh, idolize is the wrong word, but to just uh, absolutely love Bill Murray, Eddie Murphy, Adam Sandler, uh, even Will Ferrell to a lesser degree, but uh, Dan Aykroyd, all of these guys and so many more. There's too many more to name. Uh, I learned to appreciate these amazing talents that have absolutely shaped our world, comedically especially, um, from SNL. So it's really painful that SNL doesn't even care anymore about their propagandistic uh, tendencies. So here's an SNL clip of Colin Jost, Scarlett Johansson's emasculated husband, and Kate McKinnon talking about the supposed don't say gay bill. Florida's controversial don't say gay bill passed its final state Senate committee. Here to comment is Kate McKinnon. Thank you for being here. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry to barge in here like out of costume. I just, I heard about this law and I, I think it's amazing. Oh, you, you, you do? Yeah, because, you know, when I was in middle school in the 90s, I was some, <laughs> I was kind of like tortured by the constant use of the word gay. Like, you know, that's so gay or ew, you're gay. It just, it made me feel horrible. And to hear that Ron DeSantis has, has taken a stand and said, no, you cannot say gay in school anymore. I'm just like, I'm so jazzed. And in Florida, of all places. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, yeah. So, so actually, I feel like there's been a misunderstanding. See, the law actually means that you can't acknowledge that gay exists at all. Wait, what? All right, so the first thing I gotta say about this clip is that, like, Kate McKinnon is always just kind of like the hook, right? She always comes in at the last minute to rescue these talentless personalities on SNL. You know, she is always like, if it's, it, while these guys are flapping around, they say, here's the funny thing, we'll just bring Kate McKinnon in. Um, so I, I've seen that endlessly as I've watched SNL clips. They just, they understand how unfunny they are and they need her to just come in and kind of be cutesy or something like that to try to get somebody to laugh at their incredibly talentless selection of people on SNL. Not the least of which, by the way, is that, that guy, um, gosh, what's his name? He's never said anything funny in his life. Kanye's best friend, so what is it? Pete, Pete Davidson, Pete Davidson. I always wanna call him David Peterson or something like that, but anyway, Pete Davidson. Um, so yeah, so Kate comes in to try to save the day, and of course, in the process, lies. Now here's the real gut-wrenching thing about SNL. Like I mentioned before, SNL has a special place in our, uh, in our society, just because it's had such a prominent role. 
throughout the years. I think it's the longest ongoing television series ever, maybe at least in the United States, I don't know, but, but certainly. So it's been around for ages and generations. I grew up on it, you grew up on it, we all grew up on it. So it's so sad to see them just patently lying to people and not caring. Again, this is the progressive left thing, is that they don't care about whether or not they might really be deceiving people in this moment because this don't say gay bill is completely mislabeled. So I wanna dig into the facts of it so that you will know for yourself. If you'll read the wording of the bill for yourself, which I'll link down below as I always do with all of my sources, you'll see the word gay never comes up in the bill at all. So for it to be a don't say gay bill, that's incredibly, it's incredibly strange to say the least. And then the other thing that you should know is that it is not restricting discussing alternative sexual lifestyles like homosexuality and transgenderism. It is merely saying that kids kindergarten through third grade cannot be taught this stuff by a teacher. And then moving forward, conversations must be had on an age appropriate, appropriate basis. Now, I don't know about you, but unless you're a demon in the seventh level of hell, I don't know how you can actually disagree with any of that. This is why I call this the anti-grooming bill. What person actually believes that you should be having conversations of a sexual nature to kindergartners through third grade? And then beyond that, that you should not be having age-appropriate conversations with these kids. That's all this bill does. So for SNL to come out and joke about it the way that it does is absolutely misleading to say the least and a poor, poor attempt at comedy. So indeed, this is an anti-grooming bill. It's not a don't say gay bill. It's actively trying to protect young children from activists. And the only people who would disagree with this are people who are truly demonically inspired. Because who wants to start teaching kids at a very young age about these kind of aberrant and rare, albeit increasingly growing, but rare still for American society, sexual lifestyles? Who is interested at making sure kids at a very young age know these things and learn these things and, and grow to accept these things and, and make them even potentially their own identity in kindergarten? you know, subverting the discussion that parents are having with kids behind the scenes, right? Who is interested in doing this except for people who are radical ideologues that want to groom children? So this is why I call it the anti-grooming bill. But this is also why this is a call to action in our Christianity Not Today segment. Usually I make fun of things that are going on in the Christian world that don't represent Christianity at all. And so there's a little bit of that here, but, but really this is a clarion call to those of you who are, are, who are Christians in Florida to stand up. Um, I wanna show you a clip really, really quick of what happened on the day that this bill was signed into law by the Senate and then now is about to go to the governor's desk. This is what happened uh, when protesters showed up to protest this anti-grooming bill. So here's the clarion call to action. I, when I saw this, when I saw that line of people down the hallway, I thought to myself about the story of David, that there were two crowds. There was the Israelites and then there was the Philistines. And in the middle was this guy named, named Goliath, who was, who was yelling at 
the, the, the people of God that day, who was mocking them and who was deriding them. And then it took one man on the other side of that aisle to come in the middle and meet Goliath, a guy named David, King David. Even if you're not a Christian, you're probably familiar with this story. Takes a stone, gets that guy in the head, and then Goliath falls down dead right there on the spot. So I, I was just, I thought about that story because I thought to myself, all it would take is just one Christian, just one Christian, guys, to show up as a counter-protester, walk right down the center of that aisle, walk in the middle of that mob of mindless, chanting, demonic, screaming horde to say, I want one person, one of you, to come stand flat-footed right in front of me and to tell me why you think a kindergartner should be taught about any sexual orientation or identity, much less the twisted nature of transgenderism or homosexuality. Please come tell me why a kindergartner should be learning any of that stuff rather than playing with Play-Doh, learning how to eat glue, play with blocks, or learning you know, how to read, maybe. Maybe learning how to wipe their own bottom. These are the things that kindergartners should be working on, not transgenderism and homosexuality and my two moms. That has no place in a kindergartner's life. So I was just waiting for one bold, valiant Floridian Christian to go stand there in the midst of that, of that crowd. And I know it would be, it would be scary, but, I was just, but all it would take is just one to say, not being even rude, give me one good cogent argument, if you can, and, and, and any one of you, give me one good cogent argument for why this should be taking place. And if you can't, then all of you need to go home now. Now, of course, there would be some emotional arguments, but nothing that actually could justify what's going on. But perhaps that didn't happen because we're so used to losing on the right that we just consider the signing of this bill a victory. And we don't expect that there will be any retribution. But folks, there will. Parents, there will. The identity politics left knows now that they won't face opposition because there wasn't one. We didn't have anybody pushing back against these protesters. So now they feel like they will be unrestricted in their pushback and there will be pushback from this bill. And who knows how crazy it will go on the other side. But there needs to be some parents in the midst of that who will say, you're going to have to go through me if you want to get to my kids. So if you're feeling froggy, son, jump. And the next time when they plot their retribution, they'll be a little slower to do it because they'll be afraid that there will be other people standing in their way rather than a bunch of squishes who will not stand up for the truth. But this is why, especially Christians in this hour, need to desperately stand against a progressive, a progressive leftist mo movement that wants to continue to create progress and doesn't care about the destruction it leaves in its wake. Calling all things progress, even if we're infinitely moving backwards and burning the house down while we're inside of it. If Christians don't stand, I don't know who will. But my gut tells me that we might be on the verge of something really different. We might be on the verge of something really great if we cannot just count our eggs before they're hatched, as they say in the South, or if we cannot just celebrate before we get to victory, like Leon Lett in that Super Bowl. Check that out on YouTube. We need not celebrate before we get into the end zone, and we need to keep on pressing because now is the time for us to grow a backbone and to stand for the truth. Otherwise, we're gonna to continue to see people used as tools in an agenda that ultimately robs people of their dignity, robs people of their moral fortitude, and robs people of their true, true identity, their true self, 
which isn't lurking somewhere in a radical Marxist ideology, which isn't lurking somewhere in a radical gender ideology, which is lurking somewhere deep in the heart of the person who created you. <coughs> Jesus. But we'll have to tackle that next time. Thank you so much for watching today. Thanks for liking, sharing, and subscribing. We'll catch you next time. You can Did I mention it was Jesus? I just wanted to be clear because I was I coughed in the midst of that, so I didn't know if you heard it. But, but Jesus, Jesus is the person that can help you truly know who you who you are. But anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Go on about your day. Go on. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.